Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is about the legacy of Byzantium. We're a little ahead of schedule with this question, as we still have 400 years of narrative to go, but three different Kickstarter backers asked about this, and so that's what we're taking a look at today. Obviously, this is a huge topic, and there is a passionate dispute still raging about who is and isn't descended from the Byzantines and some of their neighbours. And even a cursory glance at the literature surrounding it leads you down many rabbit holes. So let's try and stay focused on the specifics of each listener's question. And remember that I am giving you my opinion based on the studying I have done so far. Okay. Listener PF asks, what is the legacy of the Byzantine Empire? What has it left in its wake that influences us today? When I think about that question, my mind expects the answer to be about small specifics, uh, a piece of technology like the fork, or an innovation in writing like the minuscule text. We could trace their origins to Byzantium and then conclude that the empire bequeathed it to posterity, but I'm not taking that approach today. Whenever I explore an aspect of Byzantine culture in detail, I end up having to go back further than Byzantium itself, to the Roman Empire as a whole, or onto the Hellenistic era, and even to ancient Greece. Um, Now, of course, Byzantium did innovate in ways that are still affecting us, but untangling credit for particular ideas or concepts can be a joyless task. To me... The simpler answer to this question is that Byzantium existed for over a thousand years. Most of that time, it occupied a significant amount of territory and was a model of government and settled living for many of its neighbors. And on that simple measure, Byzantium had a massive influence on world history and that influence still affects us today. Regardless of how you feel about the following, I think all of them can be attributed in part to the existence of the empire and specifically to the founding of Constantinople. So we have the survival of the Greek language and Roman culture into the modern age, 
the development of Christian dogma and church organization, the conversion of Bulgaria, Serbia, and Russia, amongst others, to the Orthodox faith, the prevention of any one people dominating the Balkans, and the prevention of the Islamic Caliphate spreading further north and west, with massive knock-on effects for Western Europe. Again, regardless of how you feel about the following, I'm just stating those as facts as I see them, not positive or negative events. And I think less directly, you can look to events that unwound post-Byzantium, or even during it, and see their origins uh, in Byzantium's existence. The 20th century wars in the Balkans and the hatreds which live on today, the cultural differences between Western and Eastern Europe, which fed into the Cold War and beyond, the enmity between Muslims and Western Europeans, which first developed during the Crusades, the origins of Western Europe's colonial appetite, which was first developed during that same period, the development of the Renaissance once Byzantium's libraries were opened to the West. Taken together, it seems to me that you could argue that you can't understand the modern world without understanding Byzantium. Now, listener MK went further, asking what is the most important influence that Byzantium has had on Western Europe, Eastern Europe, the Caucasus, and the Islamic world, which is one of those questions which someone could write several books about. But my brief answers are as follows. I think it's easiest to start with those countries like Russia, Bulgaria, and Serbia, whose culture and forms of government came directly from Byzantium. Many of these peoples borrowed huge amounts of Byzantine culture and statecraft to form their own polities. Given that their languages and religions come directly from Byzantine sources, there's no real need to discuss this further. But it's worth saying that outside of Byzantium's heartlands, its most direct cultural influence may be found in Russia. I'm told that you can see the ideals of Byzantine monasticism expressed in the novel The Brothers Karamazov. Clearly, Byzantium's greatest influence here was as a model for state formation for peoples living under tribal dynamics. I know much less about the complex histories of Georgia and Armenia. I do know that states existed there before the Romans even arrived in the region, so state formation is not the answer. And I'm not even sure that you can say Christianity is a direct Roman import, given it spread in those regions at the same time that it was being persecuted within the empire. The question is also about Byzantine influence rather than Roman, so I guess that the articulation of Christianity in a Byzantine form may be the answer. Uh, you know, the, the Byzantines provided a model for Caucasian ecclesiastical organization and monastic behavior. Though I suppose one could argue that Byzantium's very existence encouraged the Caucasians not to convert to Islam. But I think we need an expert to truly answer that one. The Islamic world itself is also complicated, but I feel a bit better equipped to tackle it. And here I need to bring in listener SM, who asked a slightly different question. He heard an author on NPR once argue that the Roman Empire contributed more to the Middle East 
than it did to Western Europe. A controversial statement that it's very hard to define. But it allows me to answer this question in two different ways, dealing with both the older Roman Empire and Byzantium and their respective influences on Islam. So my understanding of the caliphate uh, in its formative centuries is that its culture was a rich synthesis of the many traditions it absorbed. And the three largest contributors were the Judeo-Christian religious milieu, which obviously shaped the formation of Islam, the language and Bedouin culture of Arabia itself, and finally, Sassanid Persia. And I say simply Sassanid Persia because their empire was swallowed whole by the Arab conquerors. Every aspect of Iranian civilization was thus absorbed by the caliphate and then began to seep into its pores. Looking at this extremely simplified formula, I would have to conclude that the major Roman influence on Islam was the ways in which the empire had moulded Christianity into a state church. This provided both a theological and a structural template upon which Islam could build. That is obviously a major contribution to Islamic culture, but I don't see how it can compare to the influence that Rome had on Western Europe. The incoming German tribes there borrowed far more from imperial culture than the caliphate seems to have done, largely because the caliphate could turn to its Iranian core for administrative, legal and artistic expertise. Life in Egypt, um, Palestine and Syria under the Arabs uh, was obviously influenced by the Roman past, but I'm not sure quite how to quantify the Roman influence on life there, because even the orientation of that area facing the Mediterranean around Antioch and Alexandria was something that was founded before the Romans arrived. So it's hard to say that the Roman influence in those regions was greater than it was in Western Europe. That is, again, a, a thesis waiting to be written. Now, you could say that that is basically the same answer that one would give for Byzantium, because, after all, the Eastern Roman Empire that the Arabs annexed was the same thing as Byzantium. It's just a question of nomenclature. But I think it's more interesting to ask the question, what did post-conquest Byzantium give to the caliphate? And here again, we're not talking about mosaic decoration or anything like that. I think more deeply that Byzantium helped Islam define itself. By looking at their inferior and embattled neighbor, the caliphate was able to shape what it meant to be a Muslim and what the caliphate stood for. In the past, I've talked about how Jews were tolerated in Byzantium, in part because they were an example of how not to be. You need to be a good, obedient Christian, or you can go live in a ghetto like those people. And I think, in a sense, that's what Byzantium became to the early Muslims. An entire people stubborn in their wrongness, foolishly clinging to the old ways rather than accepting the new truth. And as such, they became the ideal target for jihad, an acceptable people to endlessly flog and enslave, to reinforce your superiority over them. Byzantium's existence on the periphery of Islam, similar 
but inferior, helped shape the identity of the peoples of the Caliphate and Islam itself. Again, controversial, needs fleshing out by a experienced academic, but that to me seems like a much greater influence on life than, say, the um, artisans who were sent to help decorate the Dome of the Rock. Um, obviously this is speculative theoretical arguing and uh, if you're enjoying that then i have another one for you because we now come to the west and where you know what is byzantium's greatest influence on western europe again you know one can differentiate between the roman empire of old and you know the later roman empire in byzantium but let's again talk about just post conquest post 7th century byzantium and as you've seen in the narrative, the West borrowed many things during those centuries from their Eastern neighbors. Um, technology, decorative styles, theological ideas, law books, imperial regalia, that sort of thing. Uh, but I think, again, the biggest influence is more theoretical. I think Byzantium prevented Western Europe from coming into contact with alternative ideologies and non-Christian peoples. Now again, let me be clear, I don't mean that in a positive or negative way, simply in a factual sense. During the Byzantine centuries, Western Europe developed in a kind of intellectual bubble. Yes, the caliphate was present in Spain and Italy, but further north in France and Germany, Western commercial and religious ideas were relatively untouched by competing ideologies. The Vikings and the Magyars, who raided far and wide there, were not literate peoples bringing with them an ideology that could undermine the mainstream. Whereas Byzantium had to deal with wave after wave of competing ideas, from the Sassanids to steppe confederations to different Christian sects, to the Caliphate itself, to the Rus, the Bulgarians, the Ottomans, all in different ways offering an alternative way of life, an alternative governing strategy, and of course alternatives to Orthodox Christianity. Now, the papacy itself was in a sort of physically insecure position for many of these centuries, but it never really faced existential threats in quite the same way. Again, for good or bad, this helped develop a self-confidence in the West, a strong faith in their way of life that would have dramatic consequences for the world, and indeed deadly consequences for Byzantium itself. So I think that, more than any smaller specifics, was the biggest influence Byzantium had on Western Europe. Finally, then, we have listener PF who asks, why does Byzantium seem so forgotten today? This, to me, seems to be a much easier question to answer. There are no Byzantines or Romans today, and so no nation-state is claiming them as a direct part of their history. Now, I know this causes lots of controversy when it comes to the nation of Greece, where some would definitely see Byzantium as part of their past, but this legacy is disputed, and the fact that so much of Byzantium is now part of Turkey, which makes no claim on the Roman past as such, I think confuses 
non-history fans and even some history fans. Uh, hence why Byzantium seems so forgotten. Interestingly, the Ottoman conquest of Byzantium is not really the reason for this confusion, I think. The Ottomans ran a multi-ethnic empire and didn't pursue a thorough policy of Turkicization. You know, many Greek-speaking Christian populations continued to live in their historic homelands right down to the 1920s. It was modern nationalism and the nasty wars between the Greeks and the Turks which followed that led to our present situation. As each formed into a nation-state, the decision was taken to deport huge numbers of Greek speakers from Turkey and vice versa. So it was these more recent decisions which removed the descendants of Byzantium from Anatolia, creating a situation where many people today simply assume that Greeks and Turks have always lived in Greece and Turkey. If somehow that situation had been averted, then it might be easier for people today to grasp what Byzantium was and see it pushed more into the mainstream of popular history. I think in general, the reason Byzantium seems so forgotten is in part because the average person just doesn't know much about history. That's been my experience of telling people what I do for a living. I always have to gauge what's more bewildering to them, podcasting or Roman history. The little history that people do know tends to come from their own nation's past, hence their confusion that Greek speakers used to live in Turkey. Perhaps this is a particularly Western phenomenon. You know, it's easier for me to speak about that than it is to speak for um, people living in other cultures. And, you know, what we know is that fairly early after the collapse of the Western Roman Empire, that we can see England, France, Spain, Germany, Italy, all forming semi-independent identities, certainly uh, geographical expressions, allowing modern Germans, French people, Spanish, to look back and see Uh, you know, centuries ago history as part of their story. There's a sense of permanence about Western European history. And now perhaps people from other parts of the world who are more familiar with the horrors of deportation and ethnic cleansing will have more sympathy for the Byzantine story. Though obviously it may seem even more obscure to them than it does to people in, in Europe. I think another aspect of Byzantium's obscurity is the very name Byzantine. Why would you want to learn about a people who were so complicated, bureaucratic, corrupt? What even is a Byzantine? Who knows? Who cares? This labelling of Byzantium as an other is the legacy, again, of Western Europeans. It began during our narrative when the Carolingians denied Byzantine claims to Italy, and it continued into the modern world via Western historians deciding that Byzantium was not part of our collective history, and indeed separate from the classical Roman past. The term Byzantine, as helpful as it is in so many ways, also pushes the Byzantines into a ghetto, not Western not really Roman. 
everyone agrees that it was a Christian state, and so its history isn't going to be celebrated by Islamic countries. And so where does that leave Byzantium? In no man's land, trapped between Islamic and Latin Christian histories, just as it was trapped between them during its lifetime. I liked fellow podcaster Jordan Harbour's introduction to the show from a long while back. He said that a medieval Roman state whose inhabitants spoke Greek would sound like a fantasy alternate history to most people. And I think Byzantium will continue to remain a mystery. A Byzantine gladiator or 300 would help a little, but probably only a little. We end today's episode then on a potentially sad note, but the success of this podcast and others is evidence that there's plenty of interest in learning about the past, and Byzantium remains endlessly fascinating to those who stumble across it. We also left out huge amounts that one could talk about when it comes to Byzantium's legacy, which hopefully we will all learn together as we go forward. I'm hoping there will be at least one other Backer Rewards episode coming soon. I am off to Istanbul, and then when I get back, we will get back to the narrative. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.